As the world begins to emerge from the cave of the 21st century and opens its eyes onto the suffering from centuries of injustice and the bastardization of what it means to be free, the new Nomos podcast is a call. A call for a new beginning. A call for the new men and the new women that yearn to be truly free. A call for us to fulfill our destiny. A call for a new Nomos on the earth. Welcome to the New Nomos Podcast. I'm Abdallah Dutton, inviting you to join me on this journey of discovery to define what the New Nomos is and what we need to get there. I got a shock this week when Spotify sent me an email stating that I've produced over a thousand minutes of finished episodes. And then, while I was doing the final edit of this episode, I realized we're on number 20. And what an amazing journey it's been so far. So, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in, for listening, for reaching out, sending me all of your feedback. Now, this episode fits perfectly for this part of the journey because my guest, Musa Ganna, has been following the podcast and reached out to me after listening to the episode on jiu-jitsu. I met Musa in 2008 in Cape Town at a get-together where he was rapping and jamming with some other friends. It was such an awesome evening. So thank you, Hassan Jalaluddin. I still remember it. So when Musa reached out to me, that was the man I remembered. And it's been so wonderful to reconnect and to hear his journey through the world of audio and sound design. So, without much further ado, I present to you episode 20, Mastering Sound from Rap to Foley. If you look at Breaking Bad, they wrote the whole script for Breaking Bad with the focus on sound. So every scene, you will have certain elements, certain machineries, certain objects, certain people, certain, I don't know, whatever, that actually gives a source for sound. So this makes this whole thing so interesting um, on an audible level. So maybe you watch the whole Breaking Bad again and always look on like, what does the sound do and where does it come from? Ah, they they have a, a laboratory with all those different things and uh, they make sound. Uh, wow. Uh, it's placed in a, in a washing house where they have all those wash machine kind of things going on. Okay. Yo, it's amazing. It's complete. It's like another. It's like a whole other world of <laughs> experience. <laughs> amazing, amazing. So, how did your journey with audio begin? As a teenager, I I discovered hip hop and then rap music. That got me hooked. Once I knew about that, I wanted to explore the whole hip hop culture. So I started to do break dancing, but I was a little chubby at that time. So, you know, it was not the best thing to start with. Okay. And then <laughs> I had some DJ f friends at school and I was looking into that. And that basically um, planted the seed in my head that I wanted to know how a record is produced because that question popped up in my head. And I think that is really the starting point of my being a sound person because I didn't actually know how it is done. I was I was really interested in that. And um, at the same time, we tried to um, get this rap thing going. So I, I remember I asked like the one nerdy, the nerdiest guy at school at back in the days, you know, it was end of the 90s. He had access to like a, um, a DJ mixer and a microphone and stuff like that. So I asked mm -hmm. him like, and, and he gave it to me actually. So I took that stuff home. And then we, um, we made a loop with the CD. Um, there was like a, a hip hop CD and there was the one interlude. And then we uh, looped that uh, interlude to, to a beat, let's say. And then we just grabbed the microphone, uh, pressed record on the tape deck, and then started to improvise, you know, first freestyle rap. This experience, this really you know, ch changed my life because 
I was so fascinated by doing this freestyle rap at that moment that I never stopped actually doing this. The upcoming years after that, I think I was like 15, 16. I did that like nonstop, like for a couple of years and I infected all my friends. So like after one year, all my friends were like sitting with me every day and freestyle rapping all the time after school. And uh, when they when they kind of, you know, lost track, I found new friends to build a real rap group. And then, uh, yeah, within a couple of years, we had this whole rap group going and, you know, it was the time of hip hop jams. So we were traveling all over Germany, doing shows. And, you know, I had this dream of, you know, becoming a rap star and touring with a bus and having, you know, real shows and stuff like that. I also quit school for that, actually. So I was, I was really, I was really invested in, in becoming a, a professional rapper. And, uh, and, and that, that is how my being a sound person started, because already at that point, to me, it was clear, there are two things for me in life, like professionally, it's, it's either being a rapper, or being a sound engineer. So I, I quit school. And then, um, I had a bit of money, like 5,000 euros from my dad, which was like amazing because I told him I, I quit school and then he gave me like 5K and said like, okay, then start something with it. So I, I went, bought some equipment, moved into a house with some friends and then uh, I had my first recording studio at the age of 18. And, wow. uh, <laughs> And then I just did the job, basically recording all the time, freestyle raps. And also we produced a, a rap um, album and we released it as well um, on vinyl, um, 2003. And um, so I did basically that. This was a moment where I realized, okay, this is what I can do. This is what, I, where, what I'm good at, like, in, like recording and editing sounds, basically. There's kind of two things I want to kind of know in the story. One is how you found Islam and became Muslim. And then the other side is how you transitioned or how your career changed from rap to the sound engineering. I don't know if the two coincide. They coincide, of course. Um, because imagine this whole rap thing was kind of evolving and we um we became better and better I had a, had some connections but at a certain point in time this whole group kind of split and at that point in time i already had a um, a complete live band organized for us so we didn't do the classic hip-hop dj and mc thing we had a drummer um, you know bass guitar a whole band even with backing singers um, but when my rap friends kind of quit the thing, it was clear that the band will continue with me because I was the guy running the show and, you know, organizing everything. So I moved to Berlin and my band stayed in, in my hometown, um, Würzburg, which is a small town in the south of Germany. And... Uh, so we tried to really make the best out of it. And I went to Berlin for another internship as a sound engineer. Um, had some good connections, things worked out. So I ended up in a studio where some of my heroes kind of produced their albums. And uh, there I also produced then my first solo album with my band. And I also met um, a, a, an artist I was really like kind of a fan of, let's say. And uh, he was Muslim at that time. His name is Daoud and um, his artist name is Mellow Mark. So I knew him from his shows and I don't know, we kind of bumped into each other once or twice, but never really talked. And then in the studio, I met him and it was kind of a, like at eye level, you know, thing. So he was listening to what I had to say and I was really like inspired by that and was really happy to sit on a table with that guy. And then, you know, I was into making music because the, the, the funny thing was I was so 
many years free to do whatever I wanted. So I had the studio in my hometown. I had no kind of ends to meet. I had a little job in a nightclub, uh, you know, almost no rent. So I could do whatever I want for five years and there was no real output uh, music-wise. So it was just freestyling and freestyling and making live shows, but no real songs had been produced. And then going to Berlin and then working nine to five in that studio um, changed my life because then I was able to produce a whole album, let's say, in, uh, like I wrote the album in six months. And that was exactly the time of my internship. So I showed all the songs to, um, to Mellomark. He gave me feedback. And um, he also kind of sensed that I had a longing for God, let's say. I had dreadlocks at that time. Um, I had them growing for like seven years. So it was a long journey as well, like coming from, I don't know, you know, I looked like you wouldn't want to see it but after seven years it looked great naturally yeah. grown dreadlocks even from a white man and and uh, mellow mark also used to have dreadlocks but like you know very long ones so he kind of asked me ah man you have these dreadlocks are you also like into um rastafari um so the religious part of that and i said not really. I mean, I'm interested in it, but I'm not invested, so to speak. Uh, and then he, he he had like one simple question after that. And it was like, uh, and do you drink alcohol? And okay, I answered the question. Yeah, sometimes I do, but I don't know. And then I swear within that day, I stopped drinking forever because somehow I understood that he meant with this question if you are invested in something towards God, you have to also, you know, live with the consequences. So it's not a one-way road. And even if I wasn't invested into Rastafari, I kind of got it at that point in time. And so I quit drinking alcohol that day. I know we, we went to a nightclub that night and it, it didn't interest me at all anymore. I was like done with it. And, uh, yeah, from there, my, my spiritual journey continued, so to speak, because um, like Melomark, he didn't let go. So he, um, he asked me if I wanted to see some Muslims in uh, Potsdam, which is close to Berlin. <laughs> and uh, I was basically just saying yes, because I wanted to spend time with him. You know, mm. I didn't care where we go. I just wanted to spend time with him. And this is how I ended up in that Islamic center, uh, not knowing anything about Islam, not being interested in it at all. But somehow, you know, my heart resonated uh, mm. by meeting those people. And also Daoud, um, he recited some stuff with me and I didn't really understand why would he uh, recite these Arabic texts with me and <laughs> I thought okay okay whatever man whatever man just give it to me I'm I don't care yeah so but at a certain point in time which was not too long after my first meeting there in this Islamic center I felt that my heart was transformed mm. so so basically something I was looking for my whole life you know in in so many ways yeah with so many yeah I don't know one-way streets i had I had to fight hard to get out of them again mm. uh, i found this um, light starting to 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 manifest in my heart and that was actually what really drew me to islam and what in the end convinced me to become muslim to to make a long story short and at this time like, how old were you 23 23 um, okay so you're still so. still quite young yeah and and the whole thing with the music I mean, at that point in time, I finished my first album and then I, I was really having that dream that, okay, now I have this album, it's done, it's how I want it. Now I just have to bring it to the right people and then my career will really you know, start off. But that didn't happen because all the people I showed the album said, yeah, look, man, it's not the thing we need right now to to make something successful out of it basically and 
even we, we won like a contest and um the the prize was um an a weekend with this um german superstar udo lindenberg um so he invited us to to hamburg and we spend a weekend there with him um he's living in a hotel there for like 30 years already so we were also at the kempinski with him and spent the weekend with him and he also introduced us to his um, producer who is like uh you know that one of the top producers in germany right uh, he came listened to our music and said yeah look man it's great music well produced i did that 10 years ago and with that kind of music you cannot earn any money right now um and this was actually exactly the time where hip hop in germany was dead oh, wow okay that was my time and yeah so and at the same time i got married because like four weeks after i um took shahada and became muslim uh, i met my first wife and um you know just fell in love and then i was married without yeah. expecting also that so that was <laughs> an, another like shocking situation for my mother especially because she was shocked when i told her i will i will become muslim and then like i don't know six weeks later i tell her like yeah now i get married then she was really annoyed yeah uh, <laughs> wow so but but with that you know being married my focus in life changed slightly because i realized now i have some responsibility you know also for my wife and then i looked into a solution because my album didn't get the you know attention i i hoped it would get um and yeah i was basically broke when you, this producer shot down your album and has basically said this is 10 years too late at that point i mean this is your entire life this is you've put so much time and effort into producing this album and now to be told it's 10 years too late like at that point in the journey like what were you feeling yeah i mean i kind of knew that already that it might be the feedback i will get for this but once i got it i i really tried to make something out of it so i was a bit desperate you know to to continue with my musical journey and and then i i was i was kind of willing to compromise you know some kind of way in terms of my lyrics and in terms of so i, I tried with my band then to to come up with something still authentic but maybe a bit more poppy you know okay so that was basically the result of that um and it didn't work out at all um none of these attempts ended up in a song and um also my band um quit shortly shortly after that like mm -hmm. after one one year later or my whole band was gone right um and this was mainly because i became muslim and mm -hmm. uh i didn't you know back then i couldn't communicate what it means to be a muslim because i didn't know um so there were so many confusions you know imagine sitting with my band on a table eating lunch and then the dog comes to the table and and you know i don't have anything against dogs but i thought okay as a muslim maybe that's not the best thing to have the dog next to me now uh, as i'm eating <laughs> and it was like you know i couldn't communicate that properly because i also didn't know what to do right. and then uh, you know eight weeks later my drummer told me yeah you, you're so weird man i mean what is this cats are good and dogs are bad come on and uh, <laughs> and then i wasn't able to to get that straight so right. um, so they thought basically i will become you know an islamic kind of rapper or whatever um and obviously i proved them wrong with my second album but you know back then they just couldn't stand me anymore and we had lots of discussions about who's the band leader and yeah they they really 
ended it not on the best foot or on the best note. It, it ended really badly. It, it was <laughs> it was a disaster actually. Right. And as I was living in Potsdam by then, I thought, okay, there's this film school in Potsdam, so I could maybe get into that film school. I made it my goal to get to that film school, and. It was not easy to get in there because it's like insanely high, I don't know how to say that, application tests they, they, they ask mm. for. Yeah. So you, you have to be a professional musician playing two instruments. You have to be perfect in physics and um, electronics. And I mean, it's insane to get in there. And they only take five people per year. And, uh, but I thought, yeah, this is I'm living here. I, I, this is something I never tried, and I want to I want to study at that school. So I um, got a private teacher for music, and then I took a year to practice piano, like without any success. Um, and I applied and failed. Um, and then I found a plan B, and long story short, got an apprenticeship in Berlin um, as a media designer but the cool thing about it was it was in a sound studio in a post-production facility for for sound so okay. they were working on all the movies like really like high-end cinema movies and art house stuff international stuff it was like good place to be in berlin and i was there um, being an apprentice my mentor told me because i was already a bit older you know than a usual apprentice we have this in germany yeah you have these three-year apprenticeships um, within a company and they also pay you like 500 euros per month but you then are like two weeks at the company working there and then you are one week at school and this like for a three-year term uh, okay and so I got this apprenticeship and then my mentor before I started told me like look if you want to succeed in the industry you have to really be here a lot more than only eight hours per day for the next two and a half years, because otherwise you will never set foot in that industry. Yeah. And I took that to heart and um, worked there eight hours and then got other projects from the university or from other students where I had to go to this school. And I also practiced piano because my plan was do that apprenticeship two and a half years, learn everything about sound editing and then go back to the school, apply, and then study there. So, you know, I was there like every year, the, the open open day, whatever you call that. I was there looking again, talking to the professor and hanging around and imagining myself there. So after really practicing for three more years, piano every day, I thought, okay, now maybe I know a little bit about this. And... Then I applied again and failed again. So oh. they, they, they wouldn't acknowledge at all that I really know how this whole thing works. So this was completely devastating for me. And this is uh, after, what, four years now? Yeah, after four years. The first time, just after one year of like free studying, and then I did this three-year or two-and-a-half-year apprenticeship. And after that, I reapplied again. And failed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I have my plans and Allah has his plans. Um, and then, actually, I was hired as a sound designer even before my apprenticeship officially ended. Like, they had to co cancel my contract like one or two months earlier because I already um, got a job as a like a already intermediate sound designer in Berlin. It was like the, the most amazing thing that could ever happen to me. Wow. Because I was applying at the same company, like one or two months earlier as a trainee, you know? And mm. uh, they said, yeah, the position is already filled, but never mind. We have other positions to come um, also in other cities. So this was a company um which was just starting and they had a, you know, a big funding in the back. So they had good infrastructure. So they started a new facility in Berlin and the guy who ran the company was in touch already with my mentors from my apprenticeship. So I kind of, you know, connected the dots and then yeah. landed, landed the job there because I was so annoying. I was just 
applying and then <laughs> ca calling calling my my mentor to call the guy and then i called the guy all the time like every two days i called him yeah have you looked into my apply application blah 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 and then at a certain point in time he said yeah okay look just come for an interview and that that was actually the same uh, the same way i got my apprenticeship in the first place i had to fight really really hard to get that and i had to do so many things to get it but i got it in the end and i was the first sound guy on the scene there and and i will never forget you know i i rang the bell on the first day imagine after being 10 years um and not an apprentice, but an intern, you know? I was a sound intern for more than 10 years. Wow. And then, then I rang the bell, an intern opened the, the door and um, said, ah, you're Bastian, are you the new sound designer? Yeah, come in. And then I was like, yeah, okay. That's, that's a new, new life now. <laughs> I want to ask you, have you read a book called The Third Door? No. You should read it. It's, you, your story is, for me, an example of this man's journey. Basically, it's this guy called Alex Banian. And at 18 years old, he was with a group of friends. And he basically decided to find out how successful people made their successes. Right. So among his friends, they made a list of I think it was a hundred of the most successful people in America Bill Gates Steven Spielberg um, Lady Gaga <laughs> Jessica Alba like a whole load of these kind of American superstars and he set himself a goal however long it takes and however much effort I'm going to interview each one of these people on the list and ask them how they found their success and he goes on this journey and the first thing he realizes is that, wait a second, I don't have any money. How am I going to fly from here to New York or to Los Angeles or wherever it was where these people are in order to interview them in the first place? Like, he found a way of hacking this game show called The Price is Right. He won the game show, won a boat, sold the boat and used that money to start his journey. And he writes this story called The Third Door which basically what he found by interviewing all of these people was that each one of these great superstars or great so-called successful people, their turning point in their life or in their success was taking what he referred to as the third door. And the third door is he describes it like this, that when you're going to a club, right, there's three ways in. The first door is you stand in the queue and you wait your turn to see if you can get in. And maybe by the time you get to the front of the queue, the club's full and you don't get in and the bouncer says, no, sorry. So the second door is for the wealthy people and the people that are born into wealth or superstars or whatever, you know, they're, they're already famous. They go through the VIP. But he says that there's always, always a third door. Whether that's making friends with the bouncer, climbing in through the window, going around the back through the kitchen, you know, there's always another way in. And each one of these people who had this great success it began with a major turning point of use going through this third door. And it's interesting because this whole book that he writes, pretty much every single interview he has to use the third door just to get the interview for the interviewee to tell him that they took the third door you know so it's this kind of wonderful mirror that goes through the book and it's a fun story it's brilliant but it's just that the way you were telling me like how you haggled your way into the apprenticeship you know phoning day in day out it's you'll really like that book give it a read it's good fun so then you were the sound you're now a fully fledged sound person yeah yeah still still a bit new to the game but very like um you know i was really convinced that i can do it and uh i had seven years at that company and uh, within that seven years you know i really i really made the most out of it so 
I, I ran basically through all the, you know, positions and, you know, all the different types of post-production sound jobs you can do. So I did sound uh, editing, sound effects editing, dialogue editing, everything uh, you can do in this kind of craft, I did there. And then through this job, eventually I moved into becoming a Foley artist because that was the only thing I didn't do so far. And a Foley artist is someone who perform, performs sounds with objects um, to, uh, in sync to picture. So um, I, was, I was familiar with this, but only as a recordist or an editor. But I was never the one, you know, behind the glass in front of the microphone doing the thing. You know, walking with women's shoes on gravel and performing the footsteps of a woman in sync to picture on screen. What? Whoa, 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 wait a second here. Explain this to me, because I'm I'm seeing you now wearing high heels, walking through gravel. Explain explain this foley artistry in a little bit more detail. Yeah, so it's basically um, in films, for especially you, you need those type those kind of sounds because imagine on a set, the mo the main focus um, in audio is on the dialogue, of course. Right. So um, what they do is, for example, they tape the shoes or they lay carpets, you know, when the camera is not shooting um, total perspective, like a wide angle. So all the footsteps basically are missing in a raw dialogue film soundtrack. So you have to add those. And um, even if they are there, they might not sound as you want to hear it in the end in the movie. Um, so you have those Foley studios where you have like all the types of surfaces, you know, from concrete to wood, um, gravel, dirt, um, water, whatever you can think of, snow. And then you have to perform all the sounds. Basically, it's the, the human interaction, which is a Foley artist covering mostly in films. So imagine all the footsteps. Imagine the cloth movement of the body um, or like people grabbing things, touching things, moving things Yeah, from a chair movement to grabbing a door handle to, um, you know, eating with um, cutlery um, or whatever you can think of. This is what a Foley artist really performs in sync to picture. So we have like a studio which is filled up with items. Uh, it looks like, uh, I don't know, um, a secondhand shop or something. <laughs> and, and then we grab the things and put it in front of a microphone, watch the screen, and then, you know, perform the exact same thing in sync to the picture and record it. Wow, that must... Do you get better at that? I can just imagine it being really difficult to sync it to the actual picture. Yeah. I mean, in the first place, you need some kind of talent. And, uh, right. um, and most of the Foley artists that are existing, they had kind of a mentor. And I was also lucky to find one. And then uh, he kind of tested me in the first place. So... He gave me like a scene and then he said, yeah, just take on whatever shoe and then, you know, walk this lady, just do it. And I, I just watched him like one or two days how he's doing it. And then it was a very difficult kind of thing because the lady was also on high heels, but, you know, <laughs> running and then slowing down, then going down some steps and then speeding up again. So it was, you know, not the easiest walk to take <laughs> at the first and I did it. And then he said, okay, can you do it again? I said, yeah, okay, let's do it again. <laughs> and I did it again. And he said, wait a minute. This is like an amazing talent you have. I trained a lot of, I trained two Foley artists in my career. And one of them is the most successful Foley artist in Germany, by the way. And he said, you have even more talent than him. Wow. And, uh, and then I said, okay, that's nice. Um, and then my, my path really started there because um, my company, they built a new sound facility with a Foley studio room. 
so they were looking for a full-time foley artist and uh yeah this was then my time to become a foley artist so once the studio was done i bought all the props and built the surfaces and then just started working as a foley artist um and then never stopped since then running around in high heels <laughs> yeah i mean i have i have size 14 <laughs> so there are no high heels i was gonna say because you're quite tall yeah, yeah this is i'm just looking into like making a um a, a custom made high heel for me with a shoe shoemaker no it's just when you said that at the beginning of like running around recording in high heels i was just picturing this image it just made me laugh <laughs> and so you're you're still a foley artist now yeah yeah but you know after those the seven years um in that company i then switched industries and now i am doing um foley sounds for the games industry so and this was another thing you know i didn't plan this and i wanted to mention another book because there's this guy um i don't really know how his name is i think josh watskin or something and he's this um chess wonder boy who was like a top chess player um, and a, at a very early age and he was this natural talent and then at a certain point in time he stopped playing chess and then became a world champion in push hands in push hands what's that it's a martial arts it's a it's a like a, a tai chi discipline and it's basically people um, touch with their hands and then there's that then they have to push and and it's a really a, a art of channeling the energy and also sensing the energy of the uh, opponent and then you have you have only have this one push with your hand and then if you're a world champion and you're doing this with someone you can like push him through the room like he's flying well okay like and and he he became a world champion um um as a push hands martial arts um guy and he wrote this book, The Art of Learning. I'm, I'm really fascinated by, by him because he actually, you know, mastered to become a world-class person in two different things, in chess and in push hands. Um, and then he found out that his biggest talent is to kind of make a concept out of that. So he, he really... Um, uh put that into words and really thought a long time about it how to write this book the art of learning so he describes in detail how he benefited in tai chi from his chess and the other way around mm. and and how he how he made his way to become a world champion in both things and and this is something that triggers me a lot because you know imagine when i was this rap guy and i still am I was never settling for second, you know. I, I was I was really believing that I can be the best rapper in Germany, and the same goes for you know being that sound engineer. So I always wanted to get to the very top um, mm. in the films industry, but in Germany there's kind of a limit to that. So there's only a handful of people who really work on like international co-production you know, big budget, 120 million films. And I really tried everything to get to work with them within those 10 years, let's say. I, I invited them to lunch. You know, we just worked next door to each other. So I, I just, you know, made them to know me, got them to know me. I took my boss to get to that building of theirs to you know rent something there that i could work for the other guy in the building where they work <laughs> nothing nothing worked out but I, I i was always sure that i will never do this to a certain extent where i cannot live my life anymore i was in london and i did an internship there at the top firms and i saw the people how they are treated there and how they how they have to fight and compete and uh, i also know how it is to live in america and earning 400 dollars 
per day being a freelancer it gets you nowhere you know mm. and i wouldn't suffer or have my family suffer for that only for my dream to work in this industry like on a top level yeah, so yeah, yeah. this was clear to me so i tried my best to do it in within germany and then suddenly this um, foley artist position um, in the games industry popped up and it was in germany crazy and it was for a triple a company so i'm working for ubisoft now and once this thing um once i knew about this position i didn't even know what ubisoft was so i was uh, i'm not a gamer for 20 years i don't know anything about games i only knew okay this gaming thing is big and um it didn't took me too long to find out what this really was so um once i knew that this would be the opportunity to get into international productions um even if it wasn't film but game i applied and um i really did everything to get the job and i got it and uh alhamdulillah so i moved my family to düsseldorf and started the job there and now i'm almost three years in and um still learning still you know improving and uh Amazing. but now i'm actually you know at the really top level so um i have all the infrastructure i can buy all the microphones i want i can <laughs> have all all the budget in the world to record the best sound Amazing. and uh that's really it's really really like i don't know more than a dream coming true your journey is is inspirational i think is the word to use it's very inspiring because I, I, like I, I, you mentioned to me on the phone prior to this that you are very inspired by the episode on jiu-jitsu and abdul majid's like yearning to be the best yes exactly yeah and i mean i can you can see it through your journeys like you've you've yearning to be the best i wanted to come to the sense of hearing and how your journey with sound from your days in rap through your time as an intern in various firms sound engineering sound design and as a foley artist and now where you're at in your current position what have you learnt that you can share about the auditory sense? <laughs> okay, that's Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. I mean, it's, you know, it's the detail what makes the difference. And what I really learned about mixing, in the end, it's leveling. So it's only small, tiny, little notches of volume who in the end make the difference of a good mix and a bad mix. You don't need all the plugins in the world. If you see the best music mixers, I don't know, they spent maybe one hour just to level the board and just to do tiny, tiny, tiny changes, you know, 0.3 dB, this is nothing. You, do, you wouldn't hear it, but they are just, you know, these tiny changes they in the end make the difference and they um they matter for me hearing and and, and and listening it's it's take um taking the detail into account and also it's not only like physical hearing what what can you hear it's it's also a feeling within yourself that kind of resonates you know within with this whole thing of hearing so for example, as a performer, um, I take the microphone on stage and, you know, I could just use it and, you know, take whatever comes out of my mouth and put it into the microphone and maybe it would work. But the detail with the feeling is I have to sense how my voice is working with the microphone and the whole loudspeaker system and the whole venue. So... Luckily, I have this kind of feeling that I could, I can make use of that. So I take the microphone and then I scan the whole room and I, I feel like how I can, 
how I can use my voice now in order to make this sound good. And, and the same with, for example, when I do sound effects editing or sound design, or also as a Foley artist looking for the right prop to make the right sound, the first thing I do, I listen within myself. So I first got the imagination right. And then I know what I'm looking for. How close is your final piece? Let's take, for example, the car crash into a bridge. How close is that final sound to the sound of an actual car crashing into a bridge? <laughs> Not too close because okay. it's more what you imagine and what you know from the films you've watched. So it's, more, it's, it's the entertainment side of it, okay. Yeah. But also depending on what kind of movie that is or what kind of scene. If it's a documentary and I just have to, you know, make a realistic approach, I definitely pick different sounds. And if it's yeah. a full-fledged uh, action scene, and then I go more into the Hollywood kind of thing. So, <laughs> yeah. so that's also different, like what it, what, it, what it is, what you're looking at. And for example, when you have those normal like drama movies, where like, like walk and talk, where people you know, just interact and talk. You, the, the reference is always the dialogue. So you have some sounds there, you know, the, the atmosphere of the room, and I don't know, maybe, you know, something is there. And all the sounds then I have to pick, they have to match the whole dialogue and the whole scenery. And uh, with games, for example, it's completely different because there is nothing as a reference. It's only the visuals. And sometimes in the development, there is no visual. So it's just a concept art. Yeah, it's pure imagination. And then, then you, you set the tone. How do you get inspired? So you've got a concept and you need to create the sound for this concept. How do you get inspired? Like, how do you, how do you find that, that sound? Yeah, it, it's... I think it's like, I need just an in, in initial moment with the concept. So once I know what it is, I just get it in and then I let it sit there. And, and, and subconsciously, I know something will come. And uh, for example, there was this one sound I had to make for the Avatar game. I cannot really tell what it is. But yeah. it was like a very special kind of massive sounding kind of thing, which you can hear like for miles. Yeah. Um, and I just had one image of that. And then, okay, I, I took some time. I knew I will do this at certain point in time. And then uh, I found an object on the street, which was really fitting my needs with that. And this was then the, the time where I knew, okay, now I can start because now I have the first right object for it. It was like a long plastic pipe. I don't know what it was and for what use, but it was standing there on the street. I just took it to the studio and it made this massive kind of vroom, vroom. It had this kind of impact and a tone to it, which was exactly what I was looking for. And then, then I recorded that and you know, build a whole thing around it. And then I had my sound. Fascinating. It's almost as if you, from, from my side of the conversation and hearing your journey and the point that you've, you're now working at the highest uh, level in your sphere and coming back to the episode on jiu-jitsu and how um, Abdul Majid was saying that you can't compare yourself to anybody else because then you reach them and then what next? You know, I wanted to ask you, now that you've reached this kind of, let's say, the Formula One of, you know, you've got your seat, in the in the in the formula one car there's only 20 drivers that can race in formula one now you're in the driver's seat what's next 
that's that's a very good question. That's a very good question because actually one of your podcasts um really pushed me hard, like um Dr. Humeira. And she said something which really resonated with me. And I got there before she said it, but then I really knew. So she said, as a man, you cannot make your family whole or your wife happy if you just do your job in order to make a living. Mm. You have to do something beyond that, you know? Mm. Uh, and this really clicked with me because exactly what you said. Now I am there, you know? I yeah. am there and it's kind of, it's, let's say, it's easy to do the job now. I'm not yeah. saying I'm not, uh, have to prove myself there. Of course mm -hmm. I have to. Um, it, it, it kind of works out. Alhamdulillah. So I'm, I'm on a plateau kind of. And to be honest, this whole game audio becoming an expert in, you know, all the software implementation and, you know, game engines is not really a passion of mine. So I'm not diving into it because now I'm really thinking, what can I do? You know, what's my talent? And still my talent is rap. I'm maybe the only German rap artist who is Muslim and who is not totally religious, you know, totally just talking Islam. And, and that's maybe something I, I want to use now. So I'm, I'm basically trying to get a new record done and to, to really be that voice and, you know, make a difference in society. And I don't know if this is our last plan, but I, I want to make that attempt again and to to just give something back to the community so i'm i'm also teaching um the art of foley let's say um to students and i'm really willing to you know get to take on the burden because i know when i get out there and i am socially relevant in germany again as a rapper imagine that you know and then i'm the guy who <laughs> who, who says yeah alhamdulillah i'm muslim that's the best thing that happened to me and you know my heart is um alive again and this is the best thing that a human can experience then you know i know already people can jump at it and you know i want to i want to really go beyond my job and not only you know I don't know, cook in that yeah. stew. I want to close off this episode by reiterating how inspiring this narrative was for me. Hearing Musa's journey, how he had a dream and how he's still pursuing that dream, how he persevered through rejection after rejection and how at each point of his journey... He has been learning to bring himself to the height of his career. And then the cherry on the cake was to hear the effect my podcast has had on Musa. And then that he's going to sample some of the audio from the episode with Dr. Homera for one of his upcoming songs. Another big compliment. So I hope you gained as much from this episode as I did. And we'll be back shortly with another episode. Thank you.